G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. When we're travelling, and of course we're coming into holiday season, isn't it a wonderful thought? If you've got a holiday planned, no doubt you're eagerly anticipating a getaway and it's been a tough year and a bit of a breaker. A holiday could be very useful. But when we're travelling and we're packing a suitcase... We'll often have some sort of a checklist so we don't leave the essential items that we need for the journey. Well, for me, I usually start from the floor up. Socks and shoes, underwear, shorts, shirts, a variety of toiletries, and maybe even the current book that I might be reading. And if you've got a family, you've got to be mindful of everyone else's needs and what to pack. Well, a conversation today that uses the analogy of what we might pack for a journey and applying it to what we might need to get through the challenging times with hardships and uncertainties in our lives. Well, our special guest today and a conversation like this, uh, one that we're really going to enjoy, I think, uh, getting these sorts of things like action steps for the journey of our lives. It's a way of talking about what's important to pack and what's important to unpack if you're dealing with life's luggage. Well, our special guest today, Wendy Burns, the author of the book Remarkable You, has worked through her own luggage or baggage in her own life on a journey to discover hope within. Wendy Burns is a consultant and a coach. She's also an executive director of the John Maxwell team, having joined the John Maxwell University. And Wendy, today, joining us from Darwin in the Northern Territory. Wendy, a special welcome along to 2020. Uh, thank you, Neil, for having me back today. And yes, I have uh, relocated to the Northern Territory since last time we spoke. Well, give us a little outlook of what you're anticipating today in Darwin, because uh, is it a hot, sweltery day? Whereabouts are you living? Are you living near the water or are you inland? I'm actually near the water. We're in Darwin City itself. Uh, it was not too bad this morning when I went for my walk. There was a tiny little breeze. But I do imagine that we'll get up to around 35, a tad humid, uh, and possibly an afternoon storm. So, so where we live, we are living in an apartment on a ninth floor, and our outlook is all the ocean on one side, uh, and then the, the harbour on the other side. So we've got this beautiful outlook, and I have this incredible blessing of having an outlook of the, the water from my office. So feeling incredibly blessed to be here. Well, what a privilege it is to be having this conversation with you today in Darwin, in the Northern Territory and and I know that uh, Northern Territorians who are listening into our conversation might even sense that little bit of close to home feeling. Hey Wendy, uh, we're all pla- well. We're all. I, not everybody's going to be getting the, the chance to have a holiday. I'm I'm planning a little bit of a break uh, close to Christmas and just after, and uh, and no doubt a lot of listeners are too. And so this idea of having this analogy of what you pack for a journey, it's sort of in our minds because we might have some sort of a checklist along the way so that we don't forget to take the things we need and we might even plan not to take the things we don't. 
Uh, so this idea of what we pack, this is something that you've been reflecting on and thinking about, and it's really a part of your own experience as well. Give us your insights into the idea of packing for a journey. Oh, absolutely. I don't know about the listeners or yourself, Neil, but when I go on holidays, when I go somewhere, I tend to pack too much. I always have way too much, that extra bag of just-in-case things. And it's a bit like that in life, isn't it? And, And when I travel, my baggage is really heavy. The mission trips I've been on, I've always had too much. My baggage has been heavy. So I've learned through life that the things in our baggage that we don't need are so important that we empty them out and we fill them up with the essential items that we do need to go through life. But to be able to empty them out, we actually have to name them and we have to really reflect and see what those things are. Well, some of the things that we have already got packed, let's assume that if we're using this analogy, it's not just about packing a bag for uh, the future holiday we're about to have, but we've already got a bag that's packed. And so there might be a whole lot of stuff in there. Some things that we had no control over, uh, some things that we did. What about those things that are in our bags that we might have no control over at this point? Yeah, there's many of those things, particularly after the end of, uh, of this year, that is something that nobody has planned. But it's good to, to go back and look at those things that we have no control over and start to look at the things that we can control. So we've not been able to control so much with COVID and the crisis that the world has been in. But what we can control is what's within us. And that's within our circle of control. And that's the luggage I'm talking about today. The things we carry in our own hidden baggage are the things inside our hearts and our minds. So, you know, sometimes they may be physical things, but it's it's really based around the emotion and the pain and, and all of those things that we carry. That can filter and impact our journey into this new year because we're about to start a a new year. And, you know, God only knows what he has in store for each one of us. But wouldn't it be really good if we can empty out the things that are not serving us well, the things that are affecting our journey, that are tripping us up and pulling us back down this this mountain that we climb, emptying those out and start afresh with some essential items. Now, Wendy, when we talk about this, uh, and you're not trained as a counsellor, so we're not really talking counselling today. What you do uh, fabulously is you work with teams and you turn toxic environments into wonderful environments. Uh, These sorts of things apply to us personally and they apply in our families. They might apply in our workplace too. But, uh, you know, I wonder whether uh, just a little reflection on some of the toxic stuff of your past, the baggage that you carried as a teenager into womanhood and uh, through into your middle life, these sorts of things that you might be able to identify. Take us just briefly into a few things in your story so we might get an idea about the sort of baggage and luggage that you might be talking about. Sure, and that's a great way to start, certainly. And I love, I love the work that I get to do and I love the fact that I get to work individual with people and coach them through some of this as well. And you're right, I'm not a fully trained counsellor, but that's the area that I work in, in coaching and with teams. So my history is I had a lot of baggage uh, from a, a young child uh, growing up in a really dysfunctional, violent home. 
Uh, my, both of my parents were alcoholics. Uh, my father committed suicide in front of me when I was 13 and, and got me to participate in that suicide by getting me to hand the gun and witness him do that. So I carried a lot of shame and guilt. Uh, I was sexually assaulted the night my father died uh, by my uncle. So I carried a lot of shame. So much shame and humiliation comes within those, um, those things that happen to us in life that are out of our control. Not the things that we've done to ourselves, but the things others have done to us. Uh, you know, I've gone on through life with this, um, with my father committing suicide and then my mother committing suicide also. So there was this spirit of suicide over us, this sense that if it all gets too much, you know what, the easy way is to take your own life. I went through that till I was 34 until I found Jesus. That was my turning point. I knew, I knew from that moment that I could trust in the Lord and not in myself. But the baggage that came with that unforgiveness, um, choosing my inner circle, uh, my own self-worth, the shame, the responsibility for everything else other than myself. So we, we gather all of these things and they become labels in our lives. And sadly, often we wear them and we become what those labels are. Well, I know listeners will identify with some of those things that you've shared. And uh, even if you take a moment to uh, think more deeply about what you've gone through, uh, we might even be shocked uh, that those things have happened and that those things are allowed to happen in the life of a child growing into those teenage years and into adulthood. But when you mention those sorts of things like shame and humiliation and coming from the sorts of dysfunction and dreadful environment that you've come from, uh, even uh, physical sexual abuse, people say, well, these things I've had no control over, but somehow or other they hold on to them and uh, and sometimes, and I'm just cautious with how I describe this sort of thing, but uh, for some, the, the, there, might be, there might even be a, a bit of glory in the pain uh, and uh, the idea of letting, the, letting go of those things has got to be something that we've got to think very carefully through and get to a point where we can put those things behind us and not be held back by them because those things we had no control over, Wendy, and we suffer with those things. Oh, absolutely. We, we have no control over the things that other people do to us. But what we can control, and, and you're right, and the way you described it is really important, is often we'll hold on to the things that we are familiar with, even though there's shame and guilt and abuse and, and we hear it all the time in domestic violence situations. So many people would not leave. It's because it's what they know and it's part of who they are. And, and I don't mean any disrespect by that at all. It's quite sometimes the unknown and the fear of the unknown can stop you from letting go of what's been familiar for you. So being able to find a way to let go to be able to let go of the shame and the humiliation and the a lack of self-worth and the self-loathing, um, that you know the disgrace we feel about ourselves often when we're in such a mess because people impose those things upon us and we have to dig our way out. And, and let me tell you, my book is called Remarkable You because I know in the midst of the mess of life there is a remarkable. But we have to dig our way out. And, and sometimes we need help to get out of it. We can't get out of it on our own. But if we can find our way and we can let go of that shame, which is the ultimate bogus story, you know, it's not truth. It's not truth of who we are. And find our way to the other side, that you are worthy no matter what, that you can find your way through, that you can take the next step today. That is so important. But while we have that baggage, that, 
we allow it, we allow ourselves to attach to it like a label. And, and the world is so good at putting labels on us. You know, let's be honest, we, we will have done it in the past, I'm sure, unknowingly. I, I'm so careful of my words on what I say now. But we will say, oh, you're silly or you're, you know, you, whatever the words we say, our words actually attach to people like labels. And we have to be really careful because then we wear it and we live up to that label. So all this bad stuff that's happened to us in our earlier life, these become labels for us and we choose then in some sense uh, to keep those labels attached to us. And uh, we can see the labels and often others can see the labels too. But uh, interesting, and we'll get into our conversation, we might talk about a different set of labels. God has his own labels for us, and we might need to get an exchange happening in those things. But let's just keep going with some of the other things that hold us back here for a moment, Wendy, because uh, not everybody had the best education. Now, either that was something that they didn't have a choice around, or it was something that they did have a choice around. And uh, this, you know, refusal to uh, to you know knuckle down and study. Sometimes we have a poor education, and uh, or it's our own attitude to learning, and this affects us in our older years as well. Yeah, our attitude plays such a big role, doesn't it, in all of those things? You know, we we um, we pick up a feeling about something and that becomes our attitude and that colours everything that we do and see, whether it's about learning or growth. And for me, myself, I had no education. I had very little education uh, as a child and it's only been since I hit 34, I was, I was working my way through it even as a Christian, but it was when I was 34 that I made that decision that there was a turnaround that I could see that I needed to take responsibility for me. Because nobody else will do it for us. Absolutely, the first step is to accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour because he then assures us of who we are. I know who I am and whose I am. Once we have that assurance, then we partner with him to be able to take those steps, like taking responsibility for ourselves, knowing that we can't control others, but we can be responsible for our own actions, our own learning, our own education, no matter what that is. I'm not talking about rushing out and getting a degree if that's not the call on your life. I'm talking about what you do every day and the responsibility to grow yourself in some form every day. Maybe it's you read a book, maybe you give value to somebody else in a conversation. But things change when we start to take responsibility for ourselves. We'll get into some deeper things about taking responsibility for ourselves because uh, that's not uh, detached from uh, submitting ourselves to God. There's a certain sense of personal responsibility in that. But let's keep on some of these things just for a moment. And I hope we don't labour this too much, but I think uh, listeners will identify Identify some of the things that we're talking about as the baggage and the luggage that we want to either pack or unpack. Some of these things could have been our career choices. And this gets a little bit attached to our education because uh, the career choice that we make, uh, sometimes uh, we were so much in the rebellious time of our lives that we rejected the good advice that was coming from our parents. And so uh, we then can blame our parents that we didn't actually make the right career choices. All sorts of things can go wrong. And just to add to that, Wendy, those I... Those things that are beyond our control, sometimes we've had accidents or health issues in our younger years holding us back and almost causing us to have 
lifelong scars and uh, and then producing in us things like you know bouts of depression and uh, mental health challenges and these sorts of things do become even labels on ourselves yeah very true all of those things can affect us and they they do become the labels and they do become part of the, the baggage but where do you stop where do you think about well i need help to be able to go forward and like i said earlier Sometimes we cannot do this on our own. We need to get some uh, guidance from, uh, uh, you know, pastors, counsellors, people that will walk us through and help us untangle that from that baggage. Because what happens in the things that you've um, shared, the, the life choices, the wrong career, the, the accidents or the things that have been forced on us by perpetrators, the depression, uh, those things can be out, without, out of our control. And but getting the help to sorry, getting yeah, no, no. the help that we need to to work our way through that is really important. And I imagine that if you're exposed to these sorts of ideas uh, the first time, you're probably going to need to come to a point where you make a decision. There are choices that we make about our future, and it's a choice that you make at that point about what you do with the past. And coming to a place where you can make that decision, sometimes not an easy one, and no doubt there's a journey in the lead-up to making a solid decision about how you're going to change. Oh, absolutely. And the, you've just hit the nail on the head, if I can use that analogy. It all starts with choices. It is about the choice we make, and we realise that each and every day we can't often choose the circumstances we wake up in. You know, this is the circumstances that I find myself in but I can choose every day about my attitude and my behaviour and how I'll treat others and I'll treat myself in the midst of those circumstances. So it really is a starting point thinking about, well, this is, this is a mess. I see this is a, my life is a disaster. What am I going to do about it? So, so Wendy, when you've had your life story, and uh, it's a pretty dreadful one to reflect on, uh, but you came to faith as an adult. It wasn't your ch ch childhood uh, years or your teenage years. You were an adult when you came to Christ. That was a turning point for you. And I wonder whether listeners, I think they'll be impressed to know that having made a decision to follow Christ, how you began to sort out the baggage, the luggage, so that you could actually set those bad things aside and make different choices for a future. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a, a great question. And it, I, I was 34 and I honestly, I was a really nasty person. I had a really poor attitude. I was bitter. I truly felt like the world owed me, right? Life had been pretty tough up until then. Uh, and I had this suicidal thing chasing me down. Every time it got even tougher, I would think, well, you know what? I'm just going to take my own life because that's what my parents did. That's what you do when it gets tough. And I'm not making light of suicide. Hear my heart. I'm not doing that. But this is the mess that I found myself in. I had four children. My life was a disaster. So I felt... But what was happening was I wasn't making good choices for me. And it started with the choice that I made to follow Jesus. I still had to make good choices every day. I needed to position myself around people that were, were not false friends that, that liked me because of my bad choices. But I found people that would speak into my life and speak good into my life and challenge me and encourage me and hold me accountable for the choices I was making. So it, for me, it started by choices and my attitude. You know, not what can't I do, but what can I do that's going to turn this around? What 
just one step that I can take today that will make a difference. Maybe it's just looking in the mirror and telling myself that I am worthy, that I am of worth. And often it is just saying, I know who I am and whose I am. I am a child of the King. And it starts with the simple steps. I'm not talking about huge, big steps. It's what you can do today. What's one step you can do today to turn your choices around? If you're drinking too much, maybe that's you're, you've got an addiction to alcohol. What if, instead of having a drink today, you had something else? You had a cup of tea. You had a cold drink that's not alcoholic. So start to make simple choices. Even with your words, instead of saying those things about yourself, that I'm bad, I'm useless, I'm no good, start to speak out the truth that you are a child of the King, that you are worthy, that you are full of hope and good. It starts in those simple steps, Neil. Wendy, 2020 has been a hard year for a lot of people and 2021 might be a hard year too by way of finance and circumstances. But going beyond finance and circumstances, which might be external factors that are uh, impressing upon us, but this internal stuff that you're talking about today, it's, you know, what happens on the inside finds its way on to the outside. And so if we're talking about stepping out of 2020 and into 2021 and uh, recognising that our health and happiness is not all about where the JobKeeper continues, uh, but it's about what happens on the inside and taking responsibility for those things. What are your thoughts about turning the adversity that we might be in right at this point and changing that to adjust to what could be ahead in 2021? Mm, Turning adversity into advantage. What if we did that? I was on a call with some people from the United Nations this week um, praying for the nation of uh, USA. And one of the ladies on the call said, let's not write off 2020, the year that woke us up. What if we looked at the fact that 2020 has been a year that's made us stop? Certainly people, uh, so many lives have been lost, which is just a tragedy. Uh, People have lost their jobs. Things have changed all over the world. But it's also made us stop and think about what is important in life. So, so what do we want to take with us out of this? How do we, we take the good from 2020 and leave behind the bad? You know, empty out that luggage. Don't pick up the fear, um, the, the, uh, the stress. Make a decision to be able to empty out what has not worked for you, has not served you well, as I like to say it, and think about what you would like to take with you into the next year because we don't know what next year will bring nobody has any idea but what about what have been what have been some of the great things that have come out of 2020 I was on a call with some other people last week and I talked about what was something you would give thanks for out of 2020 you know some of them were saying just spending more time with their children being able to be at home uh, slowing them down there have been some good things amongst uh, the adversity that has hit so many Isn't it good to be able to articulate these things and no doubt uh, listeners to our conversation today will recognise that, uh, yeah, I need to make that little adjustment and get ready for a big 2021 ahead. Uh, Interestingly, and I'll get your perspective on this because as a trainer of people in the corporate world, no doubt you get them to write things down. Is this something that works 
for us personally as well as it does if you're in a, a business corporate environment. Uh, writing these things down, maybe there's two sides, uh, you know, there's a line down the middle of your page and there's the things you want to keep and the things that you want to dump. How do you describe the way that people ought to make a plan to, to set off 2021 on a good footing? Oh, Neil, you sound like you were in my workshop. I was running last week. That's exactly what I get people to do. You know, what, what, what do you want to take with you? What are you leaving behind? So I love that idea. I journal all the time, writing it down. What worked well and what do you need to do differently going forward? So journaling as an individual, it, it's been my saving grace in the early days of my walk with the Lord. And even now, I journal every day. What is working it's the power of reflection. When we journal, we're able to stop and reflect. So thinking about, start with what, what has been challenging for 2020. Then on the other side, what are you thankful for? Even if you can only find one thing to be thankful for, it'll take your mind into a different space. So thinking about what, and then when you've done that, what do you want to take with you? What's going with you into this blank uh, page that you've got called 2021? What will be in your luggage? Now, I'm asking a Facebook question today, the 2020 Facebook question, and uh, listeners have become quite uh, accustomed to uh, making a comment on the question each day. The question I'm asking today is, if you could unpack one piece of baggage from your life's past, what would you offload? Now, I know that uh, this will be tough for some people to think of, and others will be saying, I've got a whole list. What are you asking for just one thing here? We can change a whole lot of stuff, but it might be guilt or shame or the feelings of rejection that we've held on to so tightly or the worst of our attitudes. Uh, but uh, your thoughts for the way you might respond to a question like that, Wendy? Uh, you know, if you could unpack one piece of baggage from your past, what would you offload? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and, you know, we all have it. And I've worked through so much in my life. Uh, and I still, I still would think there's still some things that I would unpack. And one of them would be uh, rejection. It's so easy to be rejected by others around us. And we take that personally. So rejection does play a role in our lives in, in so many ways. And it affects our thinking. So for me, I'd choose the one that is right now in this season the one that is the most concerning. Maybe it's your attitude. Maybe it's that, um, that self-worth. The one thing that's right now is, is getting your attention. In, in the daily reading for today, it talked about uh, your treasure is where your heart goes. And um, I was thinking about where's my heart right now? Where is that? Is that affect? Is my heart with Jesus? Is that where my treasure is? So where our heart goes to those things that are in our baggage that affect us, where our mind wanders to more often than not, perhaps that's what you need to leave behind. There's some wonderful scripture that points to this idea of putting those other things behind us and looking forward to some different things. What you, which scripture comes to mind for you as you're thinking about the Bible and words of wisdom? when it comes to this idea of baggage and luggage? Well, we need to let go of what's behind us to look forward, absolutely. But my favourite scripture on this uh, is, about, is based around hope. So when we let go of something, we're letting go and we're finding hope, right? And Romans 8 in the, in the Passion Translation really speaks to my heart on this. But it says, hope means that we must trust and wait for what is still unseen. Because when we want it, we're letting go, it means we're emptying out those things that we may not like, but we're familiar with. 
and we're making room for something else. So what if we made room for the hope that comes with Jesus? Let me, let me read it to you again. But hope means that we must trust and wait for what is still unseen. For why would we need to hope for something we already have? So because our hope is set on what is yet to be seen, we, patient keep, we, we patiently keep on waiting for its fulfilment. So when we let go, we look ahead, we don't look behind, we're waiting on that hope. And there's another psalm that just goes beautifully with that. Psalm 42.11, it says, So I say to my soul, do not be discouraged and do not be disturbed, for I know my God will break through for me. Then I'll have plenty of reasons to praise him all over again. Yes, living before his face is my saving grace. So what those scriptures say to me is we're letting go of the baggage, we're looking forward with hope, but we anchor, as in Psalm 42, anchor to the one who is immovable, the one who is always faithful, the one that his promises never change. So they're the scriptures that speak to me. And of course, Psalm 139, which tells us that God has gone behind us to protect us from our past and gone ahead to make a way for us. And that's my uh, re-quoting of it. A lot of people will think of Jeremiah 29, 11. For yes. I know the plans I have for mm. you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And interestingly, when we talk about all of those scriptures, and they are all wonderful, uh, but what they all reflect on is this idea that God is love, he loves us, and God is good, he is good to us, and therefore we expect goodness to follow into the footsteps that we take into our future. So this expectation of goodness. Now, there's interesting, a little uh, a sideline when we think about the goodness of God here and uh, if we're expecting that bad things will happen, uh, is there something psychological that's going on in us? Or is this a spiritual thing, do you think, Wendy? Uh, if you expect bad things to accompany the bad things that have happened in the past, or cutting those off and expecting good things, is this something, I mean, you know, we could get into a whole spiritual conversation here about how these things work in the life of an individual. Any thoughts around that, taking things perhaps a little deeper? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I agree with you on what you've just shared. When we look for something bad, we actually find it. What we look for, we find. You know, we're looking for a red car, we'll find red cars everywhere. Uh, it's what we look for, we find. What we empower will devour us. And, uh, you know, I believe that there's, there's a spiritual connotation of that. I'm not a pastor, so I, I can't go into that. But I do believe uh, that we, we tend to have some some ties to those labels and we look for more of them. We look for the, 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 through a filter of, well, you know, I knew that person would be rude to me and they were, or, you know, I knew they'd abuse me and they did. And I'm not, I'm, please hear my heart, I'm not uh, saying that those things are not bad. They are, they are real and they're there and they should never happen. But we tend, what we look for, we tend to find. What if we looked for hope? What if we look and we try and empower some of that hope? So when we empower, we see those things that are good. We look for what God is doing too, and it changes our whole outlook, outlook on life. Hey, Mark responded to our Facebook question today. The question I've asked is, if you could unpack one piece of baggage from your life's past, what would you offload? Well, Mark says, people-pleasing at my own expense lost years only God can restore 
Now, that fits in with what you're saying there. Uh, you know, uh, Anita says, letting others' opinions impact and define me. Interestingly here, isn't it? Because some, sometimes we are so impacted by what other people say about us, what we think that they think about us, and we're defined by that. And so breaking free from those things and finding out what God thinks of us and get his opinion, that's the only, that's the only opinion that matters. Oh, absolutely. We do allow other people's opinions. And I saw those, those things on the Facebook page and I thought two important things, people pleasing because we want to be loved and we want to be um, confirmed. We want people to like us. So often we'll please people, even though it's outside of our value base or outside of our what we want to do. But if, if they will accept us because we do what they, they want us to do or, or do those things that they're asking us to do, even though within our heart we know they're wrong, that's people-pleasing. And it does affect us. And I used to be like that, Mark. But you can walk free from that, thinking about who should you be pleasing. You know, our eyes are set on Jesus. What would he want me to do? What is my values and my character based around that? And other people's opinions, oh my goodness, don't you find, Neil, that people's opinions are a dime a dozen? People love to give you their opinion of who they think you are or what they think you're worth. But again, it's your opinion of you and what Jesus thinks of you that matters most in life. And, and knowing those things, every morning I start my morning on my things that I choose to know. I choose to know that I'm a child of the King. I choose to know what's, you know, that the, the call that he has on my life. So I speak those out from the word of God every day because that sets that in my spirit about who I am. It's like putting on the armor of God. It deflects the fiery darts of the enemy. And, you know, we, we are living in, a, in a, a spiritual world. You know, this is a warfare place. So knowing our scriptures, putting on the armor of God every day as you journey and empty out your baggage and fill it up with the essential items for your journey are so important. There's another whole dimension to this, uh, which we might save for another day, although it fits in with the sorts of things we're talking about, the things that are impacting us, uh, the things that people say about us that define us. And that is this other dimension of what we say about others. And uh, this particularly oh, important yes. for when you are a parent or when you are the boss at work, let me just uh, say, because uh, the boss at work who has uh, an attitude towards the staff, uh, which, is, uh, which is dreadful, uh, is not going to get the best out of those staff. But let's stick with parents here for a moment. Parents, the way we speak of and to and about the future of our own children is defining them as well. Now, if we're defined ourselves by the things that God says we are defined by, that's going to affect the way we're going to be talking to our children about what defines their life. This idea, there's this whole other dimension here, Wendy. Oh, absolutely. Our words matter. Our words matter. What we say matters. And what we say over our children, what we say over our family matters. You know, th th those words are like, I feel like they're like fiery darts that just attach themselves, don't they, to, to those that we're speaking over. And it affects them in so many ways so not only the words we say over our family over our children over our spouse but over ourselves and I, I did post that in one of my Facebook posts last week or maybe it was yesterday about what if we stopped this week and we thought about what are the words I'm about to say what am I saying what do I mean by that what's the impact I, I think it was Florence Lydica that said our words should be like silver boxes tied up with a bow with a ribbon on them 
and that means our words should build up and not knock down. And, and when we speak those um, words of discouragement or the, I don't even want to repeat the things that I'm thinking of that often we, we say over somebody else or over our children, what if we turned that around? What if we encouraged them and said how brave they were, how incredible they are? You know, my, my little granddaughter is nine. She wants to grow and be an amazing soccer star. So I tell her every time I speak to her, you are amazing. You are going to be a world-renowned soccer star. You know, you are. I tell her those things. I speak them over her because I want her to believe them. And she believes them. She tells everybody, you know, that she is going to go on and do these things. We actually speak into the future of our, of our children. And I imagine, and that, I imagine that just in case you're thinking, uh, well, you don't want to build them up too much. Well, there's plenty of other people and uh, uh, those uh, impacting uh, thoughts and name calling and all that sort of stuff that will happen in their schooling years and in their working life. There's plenty of other people to bring them down. So you can't build your own kids up enough. And uh, so okay. really to get on to that. Hey, Chris responded to that Facebook post and said, I will offload fear as it hinders me from moving forward in the things of God. So uh, good on you, Chris, offloading fear. Hey, I want to get to uh, what you call, Wendy, eight things you need to pack. And uh, we're going to give your website where people can uh, have a quick download on those eight things because we're going to just uh, touch on these. But there might even be some listeners who are saying, I just need to write down these things because I'm hearing so much, much good stuff. I'm going to write down a list of eight things that I need to pack in the luggage of my life. Uh, so what if we talk about those eight things? Let's go through them. Perhaps if you want to name all eight, then we might pick up on one or two. Perfect. So the first one is self-worth. You are enough right now, no matter what. And of course, the second one is hope. And I have an, an acronym of hope, which is hanging on with patient expectation. Faith. We can't journey without faith. Energy. We need energy on our journey. We need strength uh, because everything worthwhile is uphill. And I can expand on that. Oh, my goodness, we need courage. Number six is courage. So important. Uh, number seven is endurance. We need endurance for the journey. Future focus. It's so important that we look to the future. Our history does not define our destiny, but we are future focused and forgiveness. That's a biggie. And number 10 is curiosity. It's important to be curious about what could be possible. And I'm going to throw an 11, number 11 in, and it's not on the sheet, but it is about keep going. One action step every day will take you further than you could imagine. Wow. Okay. So there's uh, there's more than eight. There's 11 on the list. And uh, you'll be able to download those. And I'll give the website later as well. But you can find those at remarkableu.com.au. Let's pick up on if I'm going if I'm looking at your list, and I'm saying, uh, which one of those perhaps is even more priority than some of the others? Let's touch on this one called forgiveness here for a few moments. Because I know this is a key that unlocks us from some of those things that hold us back in our past, gets rid of some of that baggage of our uh, past experience. Uh, what are your thoughts here around forgiveness and, and how that works for you and, and why it's so important, Wendy? Oh, that's, that was a biggie. That was one of the things that actually set me on the road to growth was being able to forgive my enemies, forgive those that had harmed me and to especially forgive myself because quite often we'll forgive those that perhaps have done us harm 
And it's not an easy thing to do, and I'm not making light of that. But forgiving ourselves is, is often much harder. So when we forgive, we unshackle, unshackle ourselves from the prison of the negative emotions like anger and blame, and we actually create more space in our life for hope and joy. But let me just put a caveat on this. Forgiveness does not mean forgetting. It, it's, um, it's, it is about that self-forgiveness. But when you forgive somebody, it doesn't mean that you put yourself back in the danger. If it's a dangerous situation, for example, where I was sexually assaulted, I wouldn't put myself back in that situation with that uncle that sexually assaulted me. But forgiving him released me from the baggage that came with that sexual assault the things that I carried and the blame that I, I carried on myself. And see, when we forgive our enemies, no matter how big and no matter how little it is, it actually releases us and sets us free to be able to discover the purpose and the plans that God has for us. Okay, another one on your list, which was up towards the top of the list, was hope. But uh, when you talk about hope in the positive, there's also a rejection of hopelessness which might be the thing that we've been holding on to how do you describe just establishing a a new uh, hope for your life yeah hope is a biggie isn't it and 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 before hope there is that that sense of hopelessness that this can never change my circumstances will never change and that's where I found myself in in my life so and with that hopelessness, we can also have depression. We can have post-traumatic stress. We can have substance dependency and even suicide uh, ideation. They're, they're things that do sometimes come with hopelessness. And it's important to get the help that you need through that, not to journey through that on your own, to make sure you're well supported. So when we live in that space of hopelessness, we don't feel that we can find our way forward. And that's why we need that help to be able to go for it and find hope. Hope is that hanging on, making a choice today to step into your potential, to look at things differently. You know, start with the choices you're making and the words that you're saying, even over yourself. Because when you feel hopeless, sometimes we can feel really angry with ourselves that we've allowed ourselves to get into that space. All of those things come with that sense of hopelessness. But what if you turn that around? What would the opposite of that be? What would hope be for you? And that's another great journaling entry. If you journal on what would hope look like for you? You know, when we are making change, uh, change not just for change's sake, because coming to Christ, submitted to God, it means you're actually on his team and you're uh, filling your heart and mind with his truth and with his life, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So there's Amen. there's all sorts of practical stuff in that idea too. So uh, I like what you say when you talk about keep going. That was, that was point number 11, I think, on your list. You said one action step each day because uh, it's not as if you're talking about waving a magic wand here or getting struck by a bolt of lightning all of a sudden. Uh, you're, uh, you know, gone from uh, from dreadful to fantastic. Uh, but this one action step each day uh, puts us on a trajectory of change, but the purpose and the change is to Christ-likeness. And it's all of these beneficial things that we're talking about that are in your list that actually demonstrate a level of Christ-likeness, Wendy. Yes, that's exactly right. And if we don't keep going, we won't make it. So it is about that, that step every day. And it's not... 
uh, how we finish the race. You know, we might tumble, we might fall, we might slide back down a little bit, but what, how, it's, it's the fact that we finish it, that we keep going, that we get up each time we slide back down that hill and we get up and we keep going. And, and I know there's, and I, it's in my book, it's about the story of the Greek torchbearer that would run, run those races. And it didn't matter how they finished it. It was just that they finished with their light still burning. And isn't that what we're called to do? To finish with our light, for our light for Jesus in our heart still burning, still on fire. So it is about keep going, get up when you slide back down and, and we do it like, you know, the little engine that could, you just get up and you say, I think I can, I think I can, I can get up this hill because we don't see the glory on the other side until we take that uphill climb and it is an uphill climb. And when you th- talk about taking uh, one step at a time or taking action steps, you might think that you work through some sort of special program and some might have written down uh, Wendy's 11-point plan but there's something even more significant than that. And, uh, and I'll get your thoughts here because it does appear to me that if you're on this new trajectory and things are changing, you're letting go of the old baggage and you're adopting a new way of seeing yourself through God's eyes, uh, then you do that really by being attached to your local church. And given that COVID has caused all sorts of upsets in churches this year and some people have been become comfortably detached from their local church, a good thing to make that plan to be reattached and to be taking those steps uh, each day, each week, along with what your church is doing, because churches are a wonderful place to, ad- to adopt the things of God and to have those things work out in our own lives. Your thoughts on local church here, Wendy? Oh, it's so important, so imperative that you attach yourself to the community of church. We need to journey through this life with, with fellow believers, those that will walk alongside us. And, and you're right, so many have become detached because we became, it became easier to watch church online in our PJs, right? And, um, but what happens is we isolate. And some of these things we've talked about today, like shame and pain and hopelessness, become worse when we're not within that church community. So I would really encourage the listeners uh, to, to con- connect to a church Find your local church if you're not part of one. Christmas is a great time uh, to be back in church. You know, it's good to be in church at any time, but it's a great time to focus and be back in church. And and then think about the action steps that you can take because that's your first action step, isn't it? Let me point you to the Remarkable You website. That's the website for our special guest today, Wendy Burns, remarkableyou.com.au remarkableyou.com.au and it takes you also I think to the website Wendy Burns Consulting that's what Wendy does professionally because uh, Remarkable You is the title of her book Remarkable You and do take advantage of downloading those uh, eight things you need to pack which I think has grown to 11 as we've been talking but a wonderful conversation with Wendy Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.